Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. You know, we started off talking about why physical rest is important to us, how it, how it not only affects our body, but it affects our mind. And then we talked about how this commandment, this obscure commandment that no one ever talks about anymore, but how it has the, the, within it, within those words of the longest commandment of the ten, you know, the big ten, the longest commandment also tells us about how we're supposed to treat other people. It is the mechanism by which God put into place that has to eradicate slavery, that has to, to make equality among men and women, uh, among, among the socioeconomic poor and those that are rich, those that have no power and those that have all the power. So today, what we're going to talk about is we we're getting ready to close, we're, we're over the hump and we're getting ready to end our series. Today, what we're going to talk about is how Sabbath gives us the deep rest from our souls in our souls, the deep rest, the rest that we don't get if we're waking up all the time, but that rest that we need so that we can go and get the rest inside us. It's going to start with this story, and, and there's a gentleman, and his name was Luke. Luke was a doctor. He was, uh, he was an educated person, and he was one of the people who researched and wrote about Jesus' life. And so here's Luke, and he's telling this account of something that happened in Jesus' life. And he says, and it starts off like this. It says, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husks in their hands, and ate the grain. Now, that doesn't sound like such a big deal, right? But the religious people were watching Jesus. And so it says, but some Pharisees, and the Pharisees were, you know, when you say Pharisees, it's, that's when you hear the crowd go, ooh, because right? these are the bad guys. And he says, but some Pharisees said, and they were talking to his disciples and to Jesus, they said, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Now, this seems kind of weird because this is, this is what happened. They're walking through a field and they pull off a husk of corn, or a, an ear of corn, and, and they're hungry. So they take the corn and they peel back the husk, like that, and then, well, I can't do this. They, they peel back the husk, and then start taking the kernels of corn, rubbing it in their hands, and putting it in their mouth. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm going to leave this up here. No, not bad. That's all they did. There were 39 different laws that were talked about violating the Sabbath by working. The Jews had 39 different laws in the halakha. The halakha was the set of rules that they had. Hold on. Corn in the throat. The halakha was the set of rules that the Jews had, not, not the Ten Commandments, not the big set, 
but they came up with a whole nother set of rules to keep them from breaking the ten. So they had 39 rules that talked about how not to work in order to break the Sabbath. And what the Pharisees were saying was that they broke three of those work rules when they did what I just did. They reaped when they took the corn off of the stalk. They threshed when they pulled the husks off of the corn. And then they transported the corn when they moved it from their hands to their mouths. And in that time, breaking the Sabbath was a stoning offense for eating a little bit of corn. It was a stoning offense. I'm not going to do that. It was a stoning offense for eating corn. It was crazy. The thing is, is that in the, the early part of the last century, even here in the United States, even among those that weren't Jews and those that weren't Sabbatarians, the, the people who practiced Sabbath, even am, uh, among churchgoers in general, there was a very, very strict and strong emphasis among the culture to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, I lived in Central Florida for a long time, which is down in the South. And I remember being there, and this was probably like, this is in the 2000s already. So you can see we're far back. We're, I mean, we're far forward. In the 2000s, there were signs on the road outside of um, mini marts and liquor stores that said, we sell beer on Sunday. Because up until that time, in the 2000s, they didn't sell beer on what they thought of as the Sabbath. And so what has happened with our culture, and even for many people like me who grew up in a, in a very um, strict, strict, rigid, uh, Sabbath-observing culture, we went from this place over here where you couldn't do anything. You couldn't watch TV, you couldn't read the newspaper, you couldn't go out to eat. You know, for, for, uh, for Jews, you couldn't turn on the lights, you couldn't cook. Everything was way over here, and the culture swung, and the pendulum swung all the way to the other side, where today, no one gives any value to Sabbath. No one even cares about it. In fact, it's not just the culture, but many of you know people who grew up in a, in, in a place where they kept it very strictly, and when they were finally released, this, the pendulum swung all the way back. And here they were. See, the interesting thing about this is, is that when you read the rest of this story, Jesus doesn't say, when he's talking to the religious people, he doesn't say, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm doing away with the Sabbath. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, listen, I'm changing it. It's going to be different from now on. No, what Jesus says is, he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the of rest. That's what he says to them. There's an author, and her name is Judith Shulovitz, 
And she writes for the New York Times. And a few years ago, she wrote an article that's called Bring Back the Sabbath Day. And in this article, she's talking about the effect that not having that day off has had on, on, on culture, but also on her because she was raised as a Jew, as a practicing Jew, but when she got out of college and she was on her own, she stopped observing everything, including Sabbath. So she's looking back on it now, not just in the context of her life, but in the context of her being a, a, a writer for one of the major newspapers and magazines in our country. And this is what she writes. She says, there's ample evidence that our relationship to work is out of whack. So let me argue on behalf of an institution that has kept workaholism in reasonable check for thousands of years. Most people mistakenly believe that all you have to do to stop working is not work. The inventors of the Sabbath understood that it was a much more complicated undertaking. You cannot downshift casually and easily the way you might slip into bed at the end of a long day. That is why the Puritan and Jewish Sabbaths were so exactingly intentional. And this next sentence really hit home with me. The rules did not exist to torture the faithful. The rules did not exist to torture the faithful. Did any of you grow up and you felt like the rules existed to torture you? The rules did not exist to torture the faithful. Interrupting, interrupting the ceaseless round of striving requires a surprisingly strenuous act of the will. One that has to be bolstered by habit as well as by social sanction. See, what she's saying is this, is that in, th there is something that is totally jacked up about the relationship that we have in our culture today between us and work. And if we think that we can simply get into bed at the end of the day, turn off the alarm, and sleep as long as we can until we wake up on our own and that we're going to get the rest that we need, we're just being naive. Some of you have experienced that. You have gone through a week or a month or a season of life and it's just been nonstop and you have this night where you don't have to do anything the following morning and you get into bed and you turn off all of your alarms and you fall asleep and you think to yourself, I'm going to finally catch up and you're going to hope that you're going to sleep all the way until noon the next morning and what happens? You wake up exactly the same time you woke up the day before because you don't get the sleep. She goes on to say this. She says, interrupting the ceaseless round of striving requires a surprisingly strenuous act of the will. Now think about that. She's saying that you can't just do it. A surprisingly strenuous act of the will. This is, this is why... No, hold on. That's bad. Here we go. What she's saying to us is this, is that our ability to get deep rest is a matter of life and death. In other words, if you don't get the deep rest that you need, it will mean your life. 
it's not simply a matter of uh, having a better life, but it's a matter of life and death. And the reason that it is hard is because there are things now that were completely different than they used to be. There are four things that make it harder for us than ever to get the rest that we need. The first thing is job insecurity. Fifty years ago, you got out of school, you went to work for a company, and you worked for that same company for your entire life, and when you finally retired, your pension from that company is what took care of you until you died. That was 50 years ago. Today, a person who graduates from high school today can expect to work for 10 to 12 different companies in their lifetime. There is no more job, there is no more job security because everyone now is a free agent. Everyone gets hired away from everywhere. The second thing is, is income disparity. Today, the people who are at the top are getting paid 10 to 20 times more than the people that are at the bottom. It has never been like that. And what is happening is, and what you know, because if you live in the Bay Area, you have seen this, is that as the people at the top get farther away from the people at the bottom, the cost of living goes up. Housing costs go up. And now the people at the bottom have to work harder, or they have to get more jobs, or they have to have more people in their family working in order to make ends meet. The third thing is technology. How many of you have work email? How many of you have your work email on your phone? Right, this th I don't have it, it's in my bag, but I have a phone, and it follows me everywhere. And what they used to tell us was how beautiful technology is because now you can work anywhere. You ever hear people talking about that? You can work anywhere. But the problem is, is that now we work everywhere. Everywhere we go, work follows us. And so we can never take a break from it. We can never get that rest. The fourth thing is, is our identity. See, for many of us, work is our identity. Just in the last century, our identity used to be based on our family, who we were. That's why you see last names like Johnson and Jacobson and Peterson, because that's how they identified you. This is Joe, John's son. This is Amy. Well, no, that wouldn't work. <laughs> Let me think about it. This is Anthony, Peter's son, right? One generation ago, we were known by our family. Today, we are known by our work. And so these four things make it hard for us to get the rest that we need. The first three show us that we need rest now more than ever. But the fourth one tells us that emotionally, it's never been harder to get the rest that we need. But you see, Sabbath was not given as a response to our modern culture. God didn't look at what's going on in our lives today with our technology and our identity, all these things, and then give us the Sabbath. Sabbath was an ancient practice because there is something deeper than just rest. There's something in our work that runs deeper than that. It's a human problem, 
And it is a problem that has been around. See, it's not about the work. It's not about the quantity of work. It's not about how hard the work is. It's not about how much work we have. There's something underneath the work that if we don't address, we won't get the rest that we need. So this is where uh, Judith Shulovitz goes on, and this is what she says. When Sabbath was still sacred, not only did drudgery give way to festivity, family gatherings, and occasionally worship, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. There's something inside us that stirs. There's something deep inside us that is not about the work. See, she says the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. You know what she's talking about? She's talking about the need that we have to prove ourselves. To prove ourselves to ourselves and to prove ourselves to the people around us. That's why we work. That's why we work so hard. That's what keeps us from, go, from getting the rest that we need because we know that even if we stop for a minute, tomorrow there's another day. Okay, I'm clicking the wrong direction. See, there's an external work in our lives that makes us tired. We understand that. We know that physical work makes us tired. But there is an internal work that makes us weary. Now, there's nothing wrong with work. And there's nothing wrong with physically getting tired. You guys have experienced this. If you've ever had to clean out the garage, or, or for some of you who are still living at home, if you've ever had to clean out your room, right? If you've ever had to, to remodel the bathroom or finally weed the lawn... When you're done, you're tired, you need physical rest, right? But you are not weary. You can go out and play full court basketball for two hours. You're tired, but you're not weary. There's a work underneath that wearies us. See, that's what she is talking about. And that's what Jesus knows about us, is that there's something going on underneath the internal work that makes us weary that we never get rest from. A few years ago, a few years ago, many years ago, there was a movie that came out, won an Academy Award. The movie was called Rocky. Anybody ever see Rocky? It's about a boxer, Rocky Balboa. This is a scene, this is a, a still from a scene in the movie where his wife, Adrian, who we can't see in the back, is talking to him. And Rocky is about to go and have his big fight the next day. And Adrian says to him, why are you fighting? You know you're going to get hurt. And Rocky's response is, is that he has to do it because he has to finally prove to himself that he's not just another bum coming out of the neighborhood. See, that's the internal work. That's the deep work. It's not about the physical part of the work. It's about that part inside us that we have to prove to ourselves and to the people around us who we are, to prove that we are important. 
God set in motion a system for us to follow, right? God worked, and then he rested. And he said, you've got to do the same thing. You've got to work, and then you rest. The problem is, is we can never get rest because we always feel like there's something else that we've got to do. There's something more. And especially in the culture we live today. If you have Instagram, you look on Instagram and you see your friends' lives, and, and, and they're doing all these cool things and going to all these cool places. Or, or you look on Facebook and you see the people that you went to high school with and, and they've got kids now and they're going to, you know, their, their lives are great. And you look at that and you think to yourself, I've got to work more. I've got to work more if I'm going to get more. I've got to work more so that I can keep up with them. Or, or I have to work more so that I can catch up to them. And everything about what we do becomes about who does what I do make me. And secretly, we start to live with this fear that we'll make one mistake or, or that some calamity will come and everything that we've worked for will come crashing down. But God has a solution to this. See, God set in motion a plan to keep that deep rest available to all of us. The writer of Hebrews says this, So there is a special Sabbath rest still waiting for the people of God. There's something that's still there, a special Sabbath rest that is waiting for God's people. He says, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did creating the world. See, this is what he's saying. What he's saying is, is that there is a connection from us to God that is related to our work. That there is a divine part inside us, the thumbprint of God in you and in me, that connects our work with God's work. And that even as God worked and rested, we have to do the same thing. But see, here's the problem. We don't think of the way that God rested. Right? God worked and then he rested. But was God tired? I mean, was he out there like shoveling dirt to, get, to put the mountains together? Was he out there with a hose filling up the Pacific Ocean? Was he doing physical work? No. He rested and then he stopped working. And scripture tells us, and if you were here the first week, then we went through this, but we know that he looked back on all he had done and he said, man, that is very good. And because he saw what he did was good, he was able to stop. He was able to rest. He was able to step back and say, hmm, that was good stuff. See, we can't do that. We have trouble doing that. Because even when we have that one day where we, we go through and we look at what we have done and we say, man, that was good, in the back of our heads we're thinking, tomorrow is another day. See, for us, the difficulty we have with work is that we work to prove to ourselves and to others that we are important. Our identity is in our work. 
Our identity is in our job. Our identity is in our bank account. Our identity is in our career or, or our title or the letters that come after our name. That's where our identity is. We work to prove ourselves to others and to ourselves. But Jesus says, come, and I will give you rest. And see, when he says that, what he's saying is this. He's saying, everybody gets their identity from something. All of us. We get our identity from something. From some of us, it's our jobs. From some of us, it's our careers. For some of us, it's who we're going to be one day. That's what our identity is. And Jesus says, Listen, if you get your identity from any of those things, if you get your identity from anything other than me, you will never get the deep rest that you need. And no matter how many days off you take, no no matter how many vacations you go on, no matter how many different places around the country or around the world that you go, you'll never Get that rest, and you'll always feel fatigued. See, the beauty of Sabbath is, is that Sabbath breaks the hold that work has on our soul. Sabbath, the practice of Sabbath, is what reminds us that our identity is not based on me. My identity is not based on my work. It's not based on what I do. My identity is based on what Jesus did. And when I allow myself to put my faith and trust in Jesus, in what he did, in his work, then in the same way that God looked back at his creation and said, that's very good, that we can look back on everything that we do, on everything that we've worked hard for for that week or that month or that year or that season of our life, we can look back on it and no matter how we may see it in the world as we were short, as as we made mistakes, as we didn't quite live up to what we were supposed to do, that we can rest in the peace of knowing that my identity is not in that. It's in Jesus. few years ago, there was a movie that came out. I keep saying a few years ago. All these movies are really, really old. Chariots of Fire came out in the 1980s. And uh, the theme song from the movie actually got an Academy Award too. But Chariots of Fire is the only major motion picture I know that is about the Sabbath. That's what the movie was about. There were these runners. They were were sprinters. and, And They only ran for a very short distance. And and there were two of them that were featured in the movie. And one of them said that the reason that he ran was that he had 10 seconds to justify his existence. He had 10 seconds to justify his existence. Everything about him was based in how fast he ran. So it came time for the race. It came time for the, the, the worldwide Olympic race where he was going to compete against the other guy. But the problem was, was that the other guy was a Christian and the race was on Sabbath. 
And so the guy who was a Christian, because he observed the Sabbath, he didn't race. He skipped the race. Because his identity was secure in Jesus. And even if he didn't run the race, even if he didn't even have an opportunity to win, he knew who he was and he had peace in it. And the irony of it is, is that the other guy who ran, he won and he got the gold medal and he still wasn't at peace because it wasn't enough. He achieved what he wanted to achieve, but it wasn't enough. Because that eternal inner murmur, while it was the thing that drove him to be able to win, it was also the thing that caused him to burn out. And what Jesus is telling us is that if we remove our identity from what we do, if we practice this ancient practice of Sabbath and allow it to break the hold that our work has on our soul that we can look back in the same way that Jesus does, that Jesus wants us to do. And in Jesus, we can hear God say, what you've done is good. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, Look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.